This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. NXT presents Halftime Heat. Otis and Tucker lose their last names. And, oh, what else? Uh, a very odd Raw this week. Shake them ropes. I'm here. Chris Novembrino's here. Hi, Chris. Hi. Reggie Bullock just got traded. This is an exciting time for me. <laughs> See, I wasn't going to bring it up, and then you decide, okay. Chris is needy. No, I wanted to beat you to the punch. The trick is you, you set the tone. You move first, <laughs> and then you are able to dictate the terms of the conversation. So Reggie Bullock got traded. I don't think it has many implications for the Lakers. Um, it's probably the first of a couple of moves for the Lakers, and it has no implications for my fantasy team. I have traded a baseball fan for a basketball fan, and this is what I get. Yeah, real sports. Well, how about the Super Bowl, Jeff? I mean, like, you know, I, I sat and watched the first football game I've sat down and watched in its entirety for two years, and boy, let me tell you, good sport. Loving it. Bill Belichick's a genius. He, he can shut down. He shut down two of the three best offenses this season, so... <sighs> We're going to have to be here for a while and then wait out. And in the meantime, I encourage WWE to continue to counter-program halftime because I didn't have to watch because I wasn't at a party. I was by my lonesome, and I went over to Fightful and did a live watch of Halftime Heat, which I thought was uh, it, it, it was a good match. It was about what you expect from a spectacular halftime sp- show. Spot. Yeah. Well, it's a spectacular spot fest indie-type match. It was It was that. And it, it, it was crowd pleasing, so I'm and I enjoyed it. I mean, I enjoyed it for the most part. Did you get to watch it? I didn't. I was at a party, <laughs> and so we had to watch Maroon Five. And um, boy, it's a boy. Let me guess. Modern music. Let me tell you, women ya. at the party. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, women at the party. Yeah, my parents' house. So, yeah, you can't you know, mixed crowd. You you can't just yeah, like change the TV to wrestling. Yeah, all the counter programming. Me- uh, you know, people. You can't go to a Super Bowl party where there are mixed genders and generally watch either wrestling. What else was counter-programmed before? Oh, Beavis and Butthead was what I was thinking. I remember they used to do that on MTV. You can't go to a party and really do that. Uh, You have to be by yourself. I think the other option that counter-programmed before was the Puppy Bowl. And Oh, yeah. Yeah. People still watch the Puppy Bowl. Like, the Puppy Bowl is good because you don't really need to follow it. You can just throw it on the second TV in the house. So, like, when you walk into the kitchen and there's the TV in the kitchen, the smaller TV can be on the Puppy Bowl. But it's hard to try and convince non-wrestling fans to go, hey, let's watch professional wrestling during halftime when the dreamy Adam Levine and his bad tattoos are... Oh man, no! I no. Now hold on a second. I'm not going to let you diminish the quality of that California tattoo. Uh, I mean, it's gorgeous. It's beautiful. He has great tattoos, is what he has. I'm I'm not biting on this. (laughs) Oh, let's get into the main roster because it's it was interesting. I mean, I I did not understand this raw. I I turned off this raw, and I just kind of went, huh. And it started from the top. And and I tweeted at you about this. That Stephanie McMahon-Becky Lynch segment 
I know they're trying to emulate Austin and Vince, but Stephanie was about as caring and sympathetic in that segment to receive a punch in the face that seemed undeserved to me. Becky's a sociopath this week. Yeah, something's clearly missing in this Becky injury angle. And, like, I I don't... What, what would have to be happening is Becky doesn't have the cast on, and instead the heels are telling Becky, no, you're still injured, no, you're not medically cleared, and Becky's like, I don't need this cast. I or, or not, not I don't need this cast. I don't have a cast on anymore. I am ready to go. I can wrestle. And the McMahons keep telling Becky... No, you're not cleared, you're not cleared, you're not cleared as a way of holding her out. But when she's actually in a cast, then, like, she obviously can't be medically cleared. So it doesn't make sense that she would, you know, start hitting people. Well, it seems that and the Mc- sociopathic, as you yeah, said. The McMahons aren't heels yet. And that's the other thing that, that made this whole thing. This was a straight absurd scene where Becky was the absurd one, and your baby face should not be the absurd one. She should care about... I mean, Stephanie came out there and said... It's absurd to think that you're medically cleared if you've got a cast on. That, but it's also one of those things where the story is that Becky is paranoid because of what happened with the Nia Jax punch, that she's going to lose this match. And that's an understandable thing if, if somehow... The doctors were under the spell of the McMahons, which hasn't been established. They basically said, go to any doctor and get cleared. And Stephanie's in there going, look, we know you want this match at w- at WrestleMania. We just want to make sure that you're healthy enough to do it. It wasn't... See, the way to do this, and I think they're going to end up doing this next week because they did it slightly with Triple H uh, uh, tonight because... It was obvious that they see that there's something wrong in the messaging, but they didn't quite get there with Triple H either, is that the McMahons only care about the money to be made with Becky Lynch in the main event, and she has to take care of herself in order to do that. If they had made it, if they had made it a Stephanie thing that... That, yeah, she said you're too valuable. That, that, she that, just blurted that out today. Yeah, if, if, they, if they had said... You know, if it had been self-serving to Stephanie to have Becky Lynch in the main event, and that's why you need to get cleared by a doctor, then it makes sense for Becky to see she's being used and punch Stephanie in the face. But when she's going, look, I just care about you. I mean, I just want you, you know, you to be healthy. You know, I'm doing this for your own safety. You know, you need to go see a doctor or else we're going to suspend you because we can't have you on this show doing physical things when you're limping like this. And for Becky to respond with a punch to the face, I, you know, it was interesting because nobody called that out that I've seen out there. And I was just like, that's that's absolutely ridiculous. You're, You're making Becky more unlikable while you're making Stephanie likable. Now, now there's a chance that next week that they heal Steph up. For this, and you know, I, I the way they do it is never logical, so you kind of have to turn your brain off to that. But it, it was just one of those things where I came out of that, 
And that wasn't even the weirdest segment on this Raw show tonight, but it was one of the things that really set the tone for me as this is just odd. They'll retroactively make this have some sort of continuity, like they tried to do with the Nakamura-Rusev thing, where they were just like, you know, it doesn't even make any sense that they're working together, basically using that to heal on. Um, but, you know, there's a way to do this, and it does make sense, and, and they just swung and missed on that. So we go from making Becky unlikable to making Ronda even more unlikable in this feud. She comes out. She she kills Liv Morgan. She gets on the mic about people booing her. And I actually liked the way she killed Liv Morgan because, like, we're slowly trying to make Ronda a heel here. And the way that's... I that's at least how I read it. I, uh, like it, it, I guess I maybe then read my analysis with the caveat of I read this as Rhonda is slowly being turned heel. Um, she keeps acknowledging that she's getting booed all the time. I, don't I, know. I, I disagree I feel... that they're turning her heel, and I'll I'll, I'll tell you why. Okay. I think they just want the big fight feel of the baddest woman on the planet, and they're trying to make her bad. But at the same time, when they're amping that part up, she's coming off as unlikable. So you guys boo me. And then she starts saying these words that make no sense. And then she decides to kill Sarah Logan. And then she's going to run through Ruby Riot. So, I mean, if you're healing her up, you don't do it by having her kill heels. You do it by having her kill baby faces. No, this is the thing that you're always calling for, and you finally got uh, it, where you have a heel killing other heels and doing it in a heelish way. So, like, yeah, she beat up the Riot Squad. The Riot Squad are heels, but she scared the shit out of them. She scared Ruby, and she showed that she's the baddest heel on the block here. It was just uh, The promo, it was like the, the tone was right, but it's just when she acts and when she emotes, it's one of those things where it feels like she's rushing her words out. So it's like, you know, it's like she's word vomiting. And it's like the tone is there, which is what always gets played up with her. But it's it's the, the, the actual content of what she's saying is just ridiculous monologuing. And you're just like, ah, that, that's not helping either. And that's probably one of the reasons they're booing her. And it's, it's something they just need her to slow down on her enunciation, I think. Yeah, they need her to slow down her enunciation. I, I I mean, I think what she's trying to do is cut promos like the way she would do a UFC promo, and she's trying to be more unfiltered. But, yeah, I, I think she's also getting a little nervous, and, and maybe yeah. she's getting a little overloaded on dialogue. Well, I think they're letting her write her own promos. Huh. Or at least she's working with, like, a Heyman. Yeah, she's she's certainly... Yeah, right. I think she's getting some more room to operate. I, I definitely see that. Because sure. cause nobody's writing those types of things that, that she's saying. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I forgot what she what it was this week, but I was just like, okay, that's odd. Um, yeah, and then the other... I mean, before we get to what really just the oddest segment of the entire week and it won't even be close at the same time they're doing all this they're giving us these weird nostalgia things where it's everybody's nostalgia all at once because the road dog was producer of smackdown slash dx road dog slash the roadie double j was was the you know the original double j plus the 90s wcw jeff jarrett and Kurt Angle basically told you his entire career all, all at once up through through 
debut to general manager. It, it was it was very heavy handed in that aspect. So let's start with the Jarrett and Road Dog thing. I, I think the crowd is still a little slow on the uptick of Elias as heel here, and it's a bit jarring with Jeff Jarrett especially when he's doing this greatest hits act that is largely built around him being a heel. I mean, it was, like, graceful of him to bring up his feud with Razor Ramon, and he's trying to do things to connect with the crowd, but, like, his standard opening monologue is a heel yeah, monologue. He's doing he's doing his heel shtick while wanting the nostalgia pop. And, then, and yeah. then to have the two good guys jump the bad guy Elias... <laughs> It's it's absolutely ridiculous what they're doing because nobody's going to cheer that and and yet you still have Elias also coming out and doing his he's doing his heel shtick but at the same time he's also doing the WWE stands for and getting everybody to yell walk with Elias because they want to cheer him it, it, everything is just mixed up on this entire thing I, I was just like what but and so in slight defense of this like. It's weird because I actually have a weird sense of nostalgia for Jeff Jarrett, a person who I didn't really enjoy in any of his runs in WWF or WCW when I was watching them on my television screen as a kid. Um, And I like him in this grizzled veteran enhancement talent like Bobby Eaton 1995 in WCW role. Like, I, I think he's got a good little place here. This road dog thing is just a bit too much. I get what they're trying to do here, but, like, it's too jarring with road dog. Yeah, and I, I think at the same time they want to protect the legacies. So they don't want to they don't want to make them lose clean, you know, without getting the heat back. I, I, I would just assume that this was the last appearance of Jeff Jarrett that we see. If this is how they're going to use him, sure. I'm just saying, like, I think that there's a place for the guy I, if they use him the right way. Oh, I, so yeah, and he's going to be backstage. I, I just, it, it's one of those things where it's like, uh, you know, I think, I think his, because when, again, like when they bring back nostalgia acts, they want them to do everything that they used to do as if time has stood still. Well, but like with Jeff Jarrett, what is everything he used to do? A exactly. knee drop and a figure four. No, no he'd, he'd punch, he'd, he, you know, he'd punch, he'd kick, he'd do a figure four. He had a nice little drop kick. And I mean, like it's, you know. Right. It wasn't like a huge offense from Jeff Jarrett, so he can go out there and be that guy in substance. That That's why I'm sort of loosely boostering him right now. Okay. I, I, I've now worked with two giant Jeff Jarrett fans. It's very odd. I don't. That is that is a terrible smear, and uh, I denounce and reject Jeff Hawkins. Uh, one thing I thought they did okay, but at the cost of doing something poorly, I thought the way they put over Bailey in that tag team uh, uh, match for the uh, for the elimination chamber, perfectly heroic story. I, I don't think Sasha could have. I think Sasha's working on an injury. I think that's the issue. But at the same time, Nikki Nikki Cross, after getting introduced as a babyface, teaming with babyfaces, unspoken heel turn. Yeah, right. I, and the pairing with Alicia Fox and Nikki Cross is good and fun, and you could see them being a fun little tandem. But the quick no reason heel turn. Yeah. There's a lot of that going around in this WWE of late. Yeah, it, it it's hard to follow, even for someone who follows this. Like, I, you know, I remember Nikki Cross the heel, and I was watching the TV and going, like, when did that happen? And I guess it was a few weeks ago, but, uh, you know, she was just a babyface. 
Okay, Chris, the pressing question of the week. Who came out looking good out of that entire Alexa Bliss through EC3 Dean Ambrose match? And why was it nobody? Yeah, the answer is nobody, and you are correct. And the reason why is is multi-pronged here. So you had too many people on the stage. You're bringing out EC3. This is supposed to be his first promo. Dean Ambrose comes out. He steps all over it, makes EC3 look like a goober. But then EC3 beats Dean Ambrose in the ring, but kind of on a banana peely sort of finish. So, like, yeah, he wins on his debut, but we don't really get to go through his moveset. He doesn't finish looking real strong. He finishes with a win. So it's a bad way to debut somebody unless you're trying to one, two, three, kid it, which is not what you would do with EC3, even though they both have three at the end of it. The Dean Ambrose Nia Jax interaction was weird because it felt like they were actually blowing off that whole angle by Dean Ambrose being loosely sexist to Nia Jax saying, I know that you want to have sex with me, but you need to just cool it, which is a funny joke in 1995, but now in 2019 is not funny, and and, uh, social and cultural mores have shifted. Um, Who else was in the scene? Oh, Tamina was out there. She didn't say anything, so I guess, you know, in a way, Jeff, she wasn't hurt by the segment. (laughs) Well, she, yeah, uh... I I think you got to start with the beginning on this one. Alexa Bliss and her framing of bringing out EC3 and starting that interview with the whole sex pot thing. And you have a really big bank account. I'm like, Alexa Bliss should be rejecting these kinds of, should be rejecting these kinds of segments because it's making her look worse. It's, It's making her look like a sex craved you know, it's it's totally it's tone deaf, dude. It's like it's just like deeply out of step with the. It's times, an anachronism man. of days yeah. gone by of how they treated the women, and and it goes along with the uh, what is it? The dressing it makes it room seem like the brains are put between this right. Like all you can do is ogle the man. Yeah, between this and the dressing room sketch, I yeah, I'm You're right. I'm frustrated by it because she's. They're, they know she's a star, and they're, they, they, they're like, well, this is what we did with, you know, fill-in generic blonde superstar from 2004. It worked with Sable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then, God, I... Someone needed to really step back and think about this Dean Ambrose verbal interaction with EC3. Because EC3 is standing there with his, with his mouth open like... Like, oh, I can't talk or whatever. I mean, his- he should have been the quick comeback guy. The way you get him over against Dean Ambrose is you show that he can actually go toe to toe with Dean Ambrose in a battle of wits, and EC3 can actually do that. Yeah, he. And then Dean Ambrose gets mad and says, I want a match against EC3. If- and if he did that, and you had the same sort of banana peel finish win, you actually have a nice little successful debut of a guy who's got brains and brawn. You know what I mean? Like, he's got it all going on there, and he gets one over on Dean Ambrose and gets under his skin you know what i i I hated the ec1 ec2 line it's a funny line but not for a guy's debut because that's a that's a burial right there when he doesn't well how about he listens to creed yeah i mean you know like like he could have been worse it could have been nickelback or something or like you know backstreet boys or you know whatever you want it to be color me bad He uh, he needed to respond quicker maybe not even verbal if he had just punched him once Dean stopped a sentence, that would have been 
that would have been an improvement other than the I have to take this moment with my mouth agape and kind of stare out and look into the audience and then finally hit the guy. It looked yeah, like he like didn't the know what Lex to do. Luger way out of that scenario. Yeah, it, Absolutely. It, yeah. It looked like I it, instead of looking like a dramatic pause, it looked like he was going through script notes and trying and to And then think Dean Ambrose, it. he initiates the match, right? Yeah. Like he challenges EC3. No, I, every part of this was flawed. And and, and I I agree wholeheartedly with the finish to this match. It gave him a win, but it was that Curtis Axel Intercontinental title run type of win. Or how about when he defeated Triple H on his debut yeah. by disqualification? By disqualification. It's like, oh, he got a, he, he didn't even get to show off his finishing move. for. So nobody's going to know when that actually happens the first time he actually hits it until Michael Cole yells it, but nobody in the crowd's going to do it, so they're not going to respond. It's, and there's other problems there too, putting him with a known quantity yes. because, like, the, in the debut match, the, the commentary should be allowed the time to not have to talk about the other guy in the match who is there to just do the work. It gives them the entirety of that match to explain to the audience who this character is that you see on your screen now. Who is this wrestler? What's he from? What's he about? What's he do? What are his moves? It needs to all be about him. And when you have Dean Ambrose in the mix, it becomes about both of them simultaneously. I think Corey tried. He tried to say, look, yeah. this guy's been traveling all over the world and whatever, and you, they just couldn't get past that. Corey has good sensibilities, dude. He really does his best to do cleanup on yeah. stuff. But, man, so often Graves is left trying to do cleanup. Like tonight with uh, Tom Phillips, when Tom Phillips called that there was a cover like five seconds before there was a cover. Yeah, yeah, Naya and Dean, I, the quicker they get away Ooh, from that, the, the better. Yeah, I'm glad. It's good that they got away from it, but it, it's it, the conceit that it was a bad idea in the first place. Yeah, I'm, I'm, that entire segment, I'm watching this and going, God, everybody's a geek. Everybody's buried. And even the people who had standing with this crowd are losing credibility because Alexa Bliss right. out of everybody on that on that stage lost the most I thought I actually will go further and say I think it's Nia Jax who lost the most really? because they have been building her up as someone who is like this big shit kicker who could fight with the men or whatever and you know it's haphazard we don't like the way that they were trying to do this by showing that she could scrum with the boys right but like that was the plan Dean Ambrose just, like, was able to kind of dump on her, and she had to kind of, like, stand there going, this is awkward. Like, I I don't know. She was just making faces, dude. I didn't think that made her look good at all. Yeah, it's weird because one of those segments would be great, but when you combine it with, like, the Dana Natty interaction with, oh, she's wearing her earbuds so she didn't hear the person who's yelling loudly behind her. You know, it, it 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 strains you sometimes where it's like everything's going to be this this camp wacky type of, you know, laughing type of sketch. That yeah, that doing. was a little too zany, right? Yeah. Like I, I would have liked the Natty thing more if Natty pulled out her earbuds and she had them in as just a way to blow off Dana Brooke. <laughs> uh, and uh, let me because I'm still not fully opinionated on this segment. Finn and Leo Rush. I, I think there's an argument to be made that managers should not get great offense on superstars. 
and that's what Leo Rush is, even though Leo Rush is on 205 Live. But at the same time, I kind of enjoyed the match for what it was. I mean, I, I liked that. Right, right. I like yeah, that, that Lashley attacks him, weakens him, so Leo can take Leo, a smaller man, can take advantage. I, I thought Leo's offense was pretty darn great at times, especially that bounce-off-the-rope stunner that he did. I thought that was pretty sweet, even though the cameraman missed it, I think. Um, he has a lot of really fun offense, yeah. right? Like his usage of the second rope. Sometimes it looks weird when certain wrestlers do it, but like not when Leo Rush does it. It feels supernatural. Um, and yeah, I really like him. And you know, the Bobby Lashley beating up Finn to begin things like that created just the right amount of credibility. Um, I would have not kicked Lashley out from ringside, but, uh, you know, I, I get why they went that route. Yeah, um, I'm ambivalent about the Braun, uh, Baron, Angle stuff. I like Braun and Kurt Angle interacting together. I actually think it it does something for Braun to show Braun learning respect for legends and stuff. Like, I, I think that there's something useful there if they want to use it. Um, but, you know, Baron Corbin is a very paradoxical guy for me because I simultaneously feel like he is overperforming my expectations and also, like, totally replaceable, to kind of paraphrase uh, my friend Barry. I, I, I feel the exact same way. I, I just I think that uh, Corbin... He's there, you know. Um, he's fine. Um, he's a totally steady hand in the ring, but he he is he is just that. And I don't like how it leaves McIntyre kind of just buried in the shuffle here. So we're gonna have to uh, we're gonna have to kind of make our peace with the fact that Charlotte Flair is going to be involved in this main event at WrestleMania. Boo! I know. I know. Um, it it it's. It, it's just too much to want the one-on-one feud. They're going to try and play this whole thing off on, on each other. I, I just, it, it's, it's a shame because I, I think it's going to end up not helping the build. I think it's going to be too much in terms of, we need to now build three types of stories here instead of one. And they're already having problems with just getting the Becky Ronda stuff off the ground in a coherent way. Like, Charlotte, I don't think will add lucidity to this, um, although I suspect that the WrestleMania video package will have enough things to leave on the cutting room floor that you'll have a like coherent story that just wasn't the one that we saw on our television screen. And then we have Triple H come on and make, you know, and I, I thought, you know, the first half of this Triple H thing where, you know, he's he's getting order. He's just playing straight ahead authority figure as opposed to the game type of thing um, was great. And then we got into, OK, he's he's set his piece. He's established the reality of this world. And then Becky trolls him about how's your wife doing? I'm like. Becky once again, sociopathic jerk. <laughs> right, and st- right, and, and and Hunter hadn't really done anything other than you're not medically cleared, and Becky's standing there in the ring in a cast, and then she hits <laughs> Triple H. It's like, uh, I mean, I don't uh, what. And, and then and then Triple H turns it on in terms of the uh, in terms of the uh, you're a fraud and you're afraid, and I liked. Let's let me put it this way. I liked the I liked content that part. of the promo. Yeah. I just I I I think it may have been a little too heavy handed to make up for the Stephanie interaction, not having any of that. But 
Um, overall, I mean, it, it's weird because I'm trying to get used to is Lynch acting cocky or is she corpsing? Because that's just me as an actor watching that. But uh, there's a little bit of Roadrunner meep meep yeah. going on here that um, is sometimes a little much for me. I, I want to run back real quickly to Raw. One thing in the finish of that Corbin and Strowman match, when did it become a rule that you can't attack the legal man, Jeff, um, in a tag match? Because it was last night and was not in the first match here on SmackDown, where Nakamura very clearly <laughs> attacks Carl Anderson right in front of the referee in one of the earliest spots in the match. Um, w- when you need a clever plot device to get out of pinning somebody. That has never been a rule in any wrestling I've ever watched. Yeah, it's, it's uh, I, I, I watched it and I went, that's odd because it's usually a fight and things usually break down and then it's up to the referee to... Maintain control. Wait, couldn't the ref just throw the match out? Like, they used to do that back in the day. Yeah, they, he could. It, it, it's, yeah. it's almost like, well, we need we need something, guys. We're sitting around a table, and we need an ending to this match. Let's go with it. How about he attacks the illegal man, and it gets DQ'd? That's perfect. <laughs> Let's what if that. he grabs a chair? No, no, too violent. Surely there's a rule he can break. Uh, but to uh, put a put a bow on the Triple H thing, because I'm I'm reading now the the promo once again. Uh, he the the thing that made it work a little bit better than Stephanie one is he became absurd when he said you you made it up because you're scared of Ronda, and then fine and then she could act like a normal person would when you're accused of something that absurd. I I thought that's where. It made a turn for okay. Now that they're finally kind of getting this whole thing, yeah, I I think that that's right. I, and I thought that the Hunter stuff was more on note than the Stephanie stuff. But yeah, it it still all goes back to the story with Becky being such a weird story. It's kind of like a familiar story, but it's weird when she's actually injured. Yeah, I mean they they've literally taken the the. I mean because this was also the trip or uh, the. Austin McMahon story was he was injured and McMahon suspended him and then Austin started to attack McMahon. I, I think that's actually they're using the actual beats for for the story if I'm right on that. People can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, Interesting. I Yeah, I'm uh, this elimination chamber build it it, uh, it goes into look. I've I've talked about elimination chambers now for three or four years. They always, to me, do it wrong in that they instead of building up all six members, they just go out and they beat members. And the one guy that needs the most protection right now is Mustafa Ali because you had Nia Jax dump him out of the Rumble, and then he gets the uh, Orton gift treatment, as I like to say. Where his big yeah, aerial great move, finish to that match. Yeah, but it's his big signature move that has now been killed. Goobed. It's now yep. been killed. It, it's it's Neville after after he took the RKO. You just can't you know watch him again without going. Oh man, you know, and you can't believe him now as being a viable world title contender. And I I think they should have just kept all these guys away from each other for the most part. But I do like how they've been dealing with Samoa Joe. I thought, yeah, I thought he's right? the guy. I like Samoa good. Joe just being a mixer. Yeah. yeah, right. No, he definitely looks he looks really good in this. Uh, I mean, he just looks like the guy that everyone's going to be waiting for in this match. And then obviously I think at the end here, Daniel Bryan will be able to 
pull out the victory. Shout out to Corey Graves for calling Eric Rowan Gossamer. I can't not <laughs> picture that now. I forgot. I don't think Corey made that one up. I forgot who called him that originally. But, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go with that. But on the, on the flip side, look, I'm able to sus- suspend my disbelief that a women's tag team title being historic would be decided in a match where nobody has to tag. But you are going into a giant steel structure that has been known to shorten careers. I think there needs to be a bit more gravitas on the on the part of the contenders, like a sense of dread versus right before the match doing the looking up and down the structure and then going in. I think they have to know, I mean, you have to play up the actual threat of violence in this match as being an important factor in winning the tag team titles as opposed to just a straight, me and her have been tagging for years and we know each other type of thing, the the, the kind of the happy-go-lucky, oh, it's going to be so historic, oh, it's going to be so nice. You're doing it inside a giant steel structure where people get hurt all the time. I think that has to be a part of it, and it just hasn't been, and it's kind of taken me a bit out of this women's tag title uh, mix thing. Yeah, I will say that my two friends who I occasionally watch this stuff who are semi-casual, I was watching with them tonight, and they were like, why are all these women tagging together? Like they didn't, he, they didn't realize that there was like these women tag titles. So I, I would say that there's been a little bit of um, a rush on this. I think because you know these are these are people who come in and check in every couple two or three weeks. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and and it's my belief that Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville need to be billed as Fire and Desire. I like that team name a lot for them. I like that team name. Um, I think they need to come up with a different entrance that works for both yes. of them because it makes Sonya look really weird. Yeah, so Sonya doing the punches during Mandy Rose's uh, Mandy. Uh, <laughs> with the like, rose-tinting thing. Like yeah. It's very anachronistic. The Vaseline yeah, on the camera jarring. type of thing. Yeah, it, it's very weird. Um, you know, it's, it's like everything that's about female empowerment and fighting and everything that was about, you know, the divas revolution um, all in one and it's a very mixed message at the same time about the history of WWE yeah, it's both 2000 and 2019 yeah, it's, it's, at the same it's time so <laughs> it's like I want to like this but at the same time I'm just like okay and then to hear Corey Graves acting like Jerry Lawler you know just shouting puppies pretty much I mean that's all that's all he needs to do now this is God's gift to mankind like it, it it's it's too much man it's too much um it was funny for a yeah. week it was funny for a week but now that he does it every week and and you're almost half expecting him to say something lewd as opposed to towing that line it's it's just it's a little disturbing I mean I, I want this you know I mean it, it's hard to it's weird because it's hard to build up a serious historic tag team title thing with the Iconics acting goofy. And they do goofy very well. The, uh, if, if you haven't seen it yet, seek out Kathy Kelly talking to them after they've been eliminated from the Royal Rumble because Billy Kay puts on a comedy clinic in that interview to the point where she breaks, she breaks Peyton twice in that interview and, and just stays in character. It's, it's great, but it's also just hard to really build this up as a serious, oh, it's an elimination, it's an elimination chamber 
I mean, even the the name is badass, and you got these two clowns out there, you know, doing the the title thing, and the you know they needed to switch that off for a month yeah. going into this, yeah. right? Like like the month going into this, they needed to just be serious and mean. I actually think, you know, the month going into this, this would have been very handy to have enhancement matches for all of these teams. Yep. Straight, Just kind of show what, show what they're all about. Straight sports yep. build on straight this. Straight sports build. Get past, get past the first title holders, and then you can go back to sports entertainment stuff. I, I have no problem with that. You just have to, you have to build up the credibility of the titles. It's the brand of the titles themselves. Yes, because you've already ruined tag teams although gosh I, I i've i've heard that that rude and gable and the revival have been having like these 40 minute great house show matches that now i want to see uh but but you're still trying to build that division up you're trying to build up credibility for this u.s title even though our truth now has it i mean it, it's all your titles are kind of you know weird plot devices to get to goofy feuds try and build up one seriously and make it important yeah i i, I completely agree i completely agree and then we we get into the main event right uh Is that we have left yeah um i i you know anybody who didn't see eric roan getting involved in this hasn't been paying attention he is there to make daniel bryan you know look uh, like, he needs protection. And, that's, yeah, that's his whole function. I, I think the negatives for me were still the bad taste in my mouth from the Jeff Hardy-AJ Styles interaction. It, it's like one of those contrived, well, we're angry at each other because we're going to be in the elimination chamber together and we have to find a reason to feud, so I'm going to insult the person. The quote-unquote real AJ Styles, it, it, it it's weird because it's been kind of cooled off since they came up with it, so they need to come up with some other twist to that character. Oh, no, they're going to have Vince come out and slap him again. Good. <laughs> maybe maybe he can get beaten up by Nia Jax. Oh God, no, no, don't do this to me. Don't make me do this again. Because I, I still think there's a chance that we get Dean and, and Nia. I still I, I don't it, think they're away from that. Happen. I don't think they're away it, from it. it. I I I hope I hope that they saw the light. Um, but y- you never know. Uh, Nia might need to get her heat back after this week. But we, we have a new tag team in, in SmackDown in uh, Carmella and, and Naomi, going to be the other babyface team amongst uh, the six. Fabulous Glow. A lot of thought put into that name. Oh, yeah. I mean, just a lot of thought put into this whole angle uh, with them having their match against uh, Fire and Desire. You know? uh, a lot of thought put into the whole Naomi-Mandy angle. Yeah, it's, it's so... <laughs> it's thoughtful. It's very <laughs> it's thoughtful. thoughtful. Uh, speaking of thought, they have they have looked at the tag team ranks and they have decided that Tucker Knight and Otis Dozovich will now be known as Otis and Tucker. I think okay. I think this is a death knell for them because who of the one names actually gets pushed? I mean, to to a top level. I mean, Charlotte they re-added the flair after she her initial run. I think you know you've been seeing it. They're doing a lot of bushwhacker stuff. Yeah, they're going to be like a nostalgia power act. Like, they're going to do a bunch of retro spots. They're going to be the opposite of what the Revival were during that 25th anniversary special, where they were taking all the all the nostalgia moves, 
but you're going to get like some heels and they're going to take Yeah, like taken. earthquake and typhoon. They're going to do a little bit of that yeah. little natural disaster spot. Uh we're going to do a little bushwhacker spot. Um maybe we see the doomsday device at some point, maybe. Yeah, you you have you have the revival as a as a 80s nostalgia act doing the heel moves. This is your attitude era. What did people like? I mean, I, I'm I'm sure one of them's trying to learn the road dog you know, uh, break dancing punch spot that we also saw. Yeah, there's a little, there's like too cool, but I, I'm still, I feel like it's more of a callback to like 1991 circa 1994 type of like tag team. Beverly teams. Brothers? Yeah, well, except like, but like the gimmicky one. Yeah, yeah, the gimmicky ones. Or like, I mean, the natural disasters weren't always babyface, but you know what I mean? Like they had like a kind of clear move gimmick thing that you expected in their matches. Whereas, like, the Beverly Brothers, they're kind of like uh, the royal family or something. Like, they're just there to be heels. Yeah. Or uh, the Heavenly Bodies. Like, you know, I, I don't remember what the Heavenly Bodies finisher is off the top of my head. Oh. Maybe you do. Uh, see, I remember... Right? I remember yeah, they used yeah, to do, they, you know uh, I mean? they used to do the Vegematic, but that was the Stan Lane version, I think. Oh, Jimmy Del Rey used to do a Moonsault, and I think it was... Oh, I can't. I can't remember right offhand. That's that's so weird that I can't remember their finisher in the WWE. Offhand. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I Let mean, me but that's that's by design a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, like they're they're just supposed to be heels that do a tandem move that gets the W. Um, and I I can see you know heavy machinery or no longer heavy machinery Tucker and Otis being you know. Oh, they're still heavy uh, machinery. Uh, I think. Are they okay? But they they just no longer have last names. They no longer have last names. Yeah, Ooh, that's bad. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you know, you know, I say that, but like, okay, counter argument for Rook and Bradshaw. Okay. Yeah. No. I mean, they 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 lasted a lot longer than they should have. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um. I mean, you you know, they had to be overbooked to a certain extent in order to get there. But you know, that's a roadmap. You could certainly get away with that roadmap with heavy machinery if you wanted to do it. Yeah. Speaking of nostalgia, we promise this week we will... Uh... Okay, yeah. There, no, I was right. Yeah, Pritchard holds the opponent in place and Del Rey hits a moonsault body press. Or they did the, okay. Or they do the double flapjack type of thing. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah, no, but speaking of nostalgia, uh, I have watched four hours worth of Jerry Lawler and Andy Kaufman... Uh, we'll be doing that for our Patreon subscribers as little as a dollar a month. Patreon.com slash Shake Them Ropes. Uh, Chris is also finishing it up, and uh, mm-hmm. there is a lot to talk about about this this Kaufman Lawler thing that I had forgotten about. Um, especially, yeah, I, the I'm re- re- I'm really looking at, really looking forward to getting into the deep strokes of this. I'm, I'm glad we're, we're going to get a chance to do this. So check it out. Yeah. This will be a fun episode. It, it's going to be it's going to be worth your while. And the other Patreon episodes uh, have been a blast so far. We did a live watch of a world ch- class championship wrestling episode. There was an episode with Rob and I talking baseball. If you're into that, which I am not, but he is. So he's in his element while I feed him. Um, and we had another uh, episode on, uh, what was the first episode we did? The first episode was on Hakushi and the Great Muda. That's right, Hakushi and the Great Muda. Um, and uh, juxtaposing their thing. Hakushi, uh, Jinsei Shinsaki, is going to be uh, doing another match here soon, by the way. Nice. Yeah, cool. I, I think it's the uh, Baba Tribute. 
that okay, doing. all right. Yeah, so so that'll be kind of cool. But anyways, you can follow me at Crap Game Thirteen. You can follow Chris at Chris Novembrino. You can follow just the show at Shake Them Ropes. Uh, Chris, you're busy with uh, the politicking and the all in the family stuff. Why don't you tell people about that? Absolutely. Don't worry about the government can be found at don'tworry.tv. That's my news and politics show. You can find it on iTunes and on Stitcher. My other other show is called the All in the Family Podcast, and you can find that at allinthefamilypodcast.com. We'll have another episode out here probably sometime this week. I just need to get it get it booked up and everything. And now I'm going to explain to you, Jeff, why you should add Ivan Rab to your fantasy team at least until the trade deadline passes. What I'm going to do, I promise I love you so much. I wrote you a little poem, Tessa, and I memorized it. Roses are red, violets are blue. Tessa, I love you. I love you, baby. Come back to me. I'm going to beat you to death next week, Bill Dundee. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 